This morning we're continuing in our series called Within My Reach. We're talking about the call, the purpose in life that we have to be ambassadors of heaven, messengers of the good news to the world around us. Jesus has sent us into the darkness that is this world to bring the light and hope of God's love. We started the series by looking at the subject of compassion. Peter challenged us to jump, to acknowledge the compassion in our hearts for the lost and hurting and to take that leap of faith that will bring this church to the place of being essential in this community and in this world. Last Sunday we looked at the call that we've been given to be the light of the world. It's a call that we can see and hear in God's word, in God's heart, in God's son and in God's creation. It's a call for every one of us as Christ followers, one that we cannot deny, one that we cannot disobey. So how are we doing at fulfilling our call? How are we doing at fulfilling our call? How is the body of Christ, the global church, doing at being the light of the world? Are we the disciples of Jesus Christ reaching the world with the good news? Let me know how you think we're doing. Looking back over the last 100 years, do you think that we're increasing in our impact or decreasing? Now put this in the context of right here in America. With a thumbs up or a thumbs down, how do you think we've done over the last 100 years as the Church of Christ? Is our impact on America increasing or decreasing? Let me see your thumbs, up or down. That was overwhelming. That's all down. That's all thumbs down. The impact that the church is having on this, this country in terms of guiding people into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ is decreasing. Let me give you some sobering statistics. Dr. Tom Rayner is the founding dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Church Growth down in Kentucky. He did a survey recently of specific generations of Americans born in the last 100 years. And these are the generations that he identified. First of all, the builders, those born between 1910 and 1946. And then the boomers, those born between 1947 and 1964. Then the busters, also known as Generation X, those born between 1965 and 1976. And then what they're calling the bridgers, those born between 1977 and 1994. Now as you hear these, keep in mind that the vast majority of decisions made for Christ happened during the early teen years or near then, 80% before the age of 18. So age does not explain away what you're about to hear. This is what Dr. Rayner discovered as he surveyed people from each of these generations. This is the estimated percentage of each generation that has been reached for Christ. In the builders, 65%. Boomers, 35%. Busters, 15%. And bridgers, 4%. Four. Now, anyone want to predict what this is going to look like one more generation from now? How about a hundred years from now? What's happening? What is happening here? Are we okay with this? Does hearing this cause any of us any kind of discomfort? How do you think God feels about this? 
How about his son, Jesus Christ, who died for this nation and for the world? How does he feel about this? Now, it's very easy for us to look at this and and point a finger at society as if society was some faceless entity and blame them for rejecting Christ. This culture is becoming more and more hostile to the gospel, to Christians, to God. That's true. But why is this true? I believe that this is happening because fewer and fewer people here in this nation are hearing or experiencing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the words and lives of Christ's followers. And that leaves a void that the enemy is obviously thrilled to fill up himself. All kinds of deception can take place in the dark if there's no light to illuminate that deception. The voice of the enemy is currently much louder and more prevalent than the voice of hope and truth. Are we okay with this? No, we're not. I'm not okay with this. I know you're not okay with this. How could an ambassador of heaven, of the kingdom of God, be okay with this? We're not. But there's some obstacle keeping us from doing something about what's happening around us. There's something standing between us and the battle that faces us, and it's on this front that we're being beaten. And while this may not be true for every Christian, I do believe this is the most common obstacle between us and seeing the gospel of hope reaching the lost through us. I believe this obstacle is fear. The enemy's convinced us that we have reason to be afraid to be the light of the world. In all honesty, how many of us are willing to admit that we struggle with some sort of fear when it comes to sharing our faith with the people in our lives who have not yet accepted Christ? How many of you struggle with some sort of fear in this area? It's a lot of people. This is a real obstacle. It's a real obstacle. This is something that is effectively keeping millions of people, people created by God in his image, from hearing the life-saving message of the gospel, and it has to be addressed. It has to be overcome. If we're going to live out the identity that we've been given by God, an identity that is a major threat to the ruler of this world and his evil plans, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Over the past week, I've reflected on many forms that this fear takes, and the reason I could so easily come up with these fears is because I face them myself. Don't think for a second that I have this witnessing thing down. Face the same fears and insecurities in this area as the rest of us. So I was highly motivated to write this sermon and attempt to answer this issue for myself. And I would encourage you to do the same. If you're struggling with something in your life, go write a sermon about that issue. Don't wait for someone else to bring it up and show you what you need to do. Dig into it yourself. Act as if you're going to be the one preaching next Sunday and go find the answers to the issues you face. You might be surprised at how much you discover that's right at your fingertips. And then if I call in sick some Sunday, there will already be a bunch of people ready to take my place. Many, many times in my life, I have acted like an absolute coward when faced with an opportunity to share my faith with someone. It's embarrassing to think of how many opportunities I have let slip by. All because I was overtaken by and I gave in to some illegitimate fear. 
What kind of fear? I'll see if you can relate to any of these that I'm about to mention. I have faced the fear of rejection. Rejection sucks. I don't like it. Rejection is not a cool sensation. In many relationships that I've had with people, I thought I could easily predict how they would respond to the gospel. I was certain that my message would be shot down, rejected. And quite simply, I didn't want to go through that pain. And so I held back in fear. That was too great a risk for me. In my head, in my head, I knew that Jesus had been described by Isaiah as one who would be despised and rejected by men. But I was too scared to choose that for myself. That kind of rejection would be unpleasant. So I chose not to risk it and to just pray that someday, somehow, miraculously, that person would just see Jesus in me and that someone else would guide them home. Meanwhile, those someone else's were also afraid of rejection. And of course, this fear of rejection was enforced when more than once in my life, my message has been rejected. I have faced the fear of ridicule. I think this is a rapidly growing weakness that our enemy is just pouncing on. Like rejection, ridicule is not fun. I don't like being made fun of. I don't like opening up to someone only to have them look at me and say, you seriously believe that? Now that's yucky. It does nothing for my fragile ego. That kind of response makes me frustrated. It makes me want to give up. And yes, in my mind, I knew that Jesus had been mocked more than I ever could, but I didn't want that for myself. I wanted to be the super reporter. I wanted my message to blow that person away. But sometimes it hasn't. And I have been ridiculed for believing in Jesus and his message. I have faced the fear of losing relationships. It's another paralyzing fear. It's that thought that when someone you know is faced with the truth, they will resent you for challenging them with it so much that they'll push you away. They may stop trusting you, assuming now that you only befriended them in order to convert them. Or they get defensive, sometimes feeling like you're treating them as if they're inferior for not having believed before. And we don't want to lose the relationships we have in life. They're valuable to us. It's a high risk again. The truth divides. We've been told that. And yes, I know that Jesus took this risk himself. His devotion to the truth cost him all his friends at one point when his disciples fled while he was on the way to the cross. And imagine having spent three years in as close a relationship as he had with his disciples only to have one of them hand hand you over to be crucified. But I, I don't want that experience. That terrifies me. I have faced the fear of looking stupid or uncertain. Day after day, the enemy of Jesus is speaking lies into the ears of our friends and neighbors. Evolutionists and atheists work very hard at formulating responses to any truth presented in the Bible. And we face the fear of having to debate those lies. Face the fear of having to answer questions about things that are mysteries in the first place. And people all around us are more confidently wrong than we are right. Our faith is not a well-crafted argument. It is not a formula. It is not a theory. It is an experience with an invisible but very real loving God. And yes, I know in my head that the Bible says that God has chosen the simple things of this world to confound the wise. But I don't want to be the simple one. I want to be the smart one. 
I don't want people to see me as weak because my faith is based on that which is unseen. It's not fun being that guy, it's scary. I face the fear of people. I'm an introvert. What a great excuse that is for not sharing my faith with others. Surely God understands this one. He created me this way. I have a hard enough time talking to people I know well, let alone strangers that I might be in a situation with where they're asking about my beliefs. Now I know in my head that Jesus didn't say anything about this one in the Bible, did he? So I have to be off the hook with this fear. Well, actually, I'll answer that one in a few minutes. This one may just be a really shallow fear. And I face the fear of persecution. You share your faith with people today and they may jump all over you, claiming that they are offended by you forcing your belief system on them. Most workplaces are now off limits for faith discussions. Most schools are too. I mean, if we do share our faith in those places, we might get fired or expelled. I've even lived in countries like Senegal where followers of Christ face very real physical persecution for not following traditional religious beliefs. I might have gotten thrown in jail or something. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get expelled. I don't want to get fired. Okay, maybe I don't need to be afraid of getting fired for sharing my faith at work. (laughs) But still. (laughs) And yes, I know in my head that Jesus faced persecution throughout his ministry. But he was doing that so that we wouldn't have to, right? What he went through is scary stuff. I don't want my life to look like that and I sure don't want my kids to have to face that fear. And so one by one, family by family, church by church, we have stepped back in fear. And faith in our society has become more and more personal and private. We live in a private fear of proclaiming the good news, just like Jesus intended, right? You and I need to stand face to face with our Savior for a while. Can you answer Jesus on this one? I can't. Because this is what he tells us is his reality for us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Is our faith in Jesus Christ a private matter? According to this passage, it is not. We are the light of the world. You and me. We are a city on a hill, Chapel Hill Church. We have the good news. We have the compassion and the call. The image of God is in each one of us and it's in this church. It is our identity. So is it in our identity, the image of God in us, to be afraid to share the good news of Jesus Christ? No. We must have been given something to overcome this fear, which is obviously not from God. And I want to spend the rest of our time in this message reminding us about 10 outreach fear slayers that God has provided for us. 
there's an outline in your bulletin insert that you can use to write these down if you want to have them as an ongoing reminder. Please take this time seriously. There's a battle in front of us right now, and the victory is ours to claim. So here are your top 10 outreach fear slayers. Number 10 is prayer. Prayer. Do you think that God's ready and willing to give us all that we need to overcome this fear? Of course he is. Reaching out to those in need around us is God's mission, and we join him in it. It's not something we do for him. It's something we should be doing with him. He's ultimately more concerned about our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our fellow students than we are. And prayer is what connects us to him in his mission. Even Jesus in his mission to save the world depended entirely on his communion with his father in order to carry out what he was sent to do. We do not do this alone. We're part of a plan and mission so much bigger than ourselves, bigger even than we can imagine. And fear loves to invade where we stand on our own. If God goes before us, if we walk with him through life and God comes after us, how can we let ourselves be overcome with fear to the point of retreat from the opportunity to impact this world? We can't. We can't. We've got to be on our knees for those that we hope to see restored. We've got to be regularly, frequently calling on God to lead us into battle for the souls of those we love. Knowing that he will never respond with, you're on your own. He promises to never leave us, to never forsake us. Do you have a list of people that you're praying for that need to know Jesus? If not, make one. Uh, Jesus has them on his list. We should have them on ours. And listen, this should be one area in which we as a church are praying for each other with great faithfulness and passion. If you face this fear, you can be confident that the person sitting next to you does as well. You want to take a bold step in your outreach this morning? Then before you leave here, find someone that you know and ask them to pray for courage for you in this area. If you don't know someone that well yet, come and ask me on the way out. I'll pray for you and I'll ask you to pray for me too. In your families, parents, start a habit of praying for courage for each other. In your small groups, pray for courage for each other. Tap into the king for the strength to carry out his mission. Pray. Number nine on the list is trust. Trust. So often we fear the outcome of our efforts because we don't trust the one who watches over us and who's given us this mission in the first place. That's God that we're talking about. How can we not trust him to care for us when we step out? Remember this, no matter what happens, God says, I am. Nothing can shake his faithfulness. Nothing can interrupt his reliability. God can be trusted with the outcome of our efforts to share the good news. Uh, Listen to a few reminders of this from some great minds. First one comes from Psalm 56, verses three and four. This is David. He has a reason, he had reasons to be afraid and he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And Isaiah then adds this in Isaiah 12 too and remember that Isaiah was a prophet. Did he have reason to fear? Oh yeah. 
Isaiah says this, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Trust in God. He'll take care of the opposition. He'll take care of the outcome. He'll take care of you and me. Our God can be trusted. Trust in him will help us overcome our fear. Number eight outreach fear slayer is devotion. Devotion. This is the perspective that that we were made to have. I want you to listen to Paul's words and be impacted by his devotion to being God's messenger. He sets an example for all of us to follow. And if anyone faced the fears of reaching out, I think he takes the trophy for the most extreme courage. This is from Philippians chapter one. It's verses 12 to 30. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Um, This passage is so discouraging but so inspiring. Paul was letting them see the example of devotion that his life had been but reminding them at the same time that they're called to experience what he had experienced. And he lets them know that they don't need to be afraid. Paul's devotion to Christ runs so deeply that he not only survived facing all these fears, but his testimony was even stronger because of what he faced. What amazing devotion. I want that kind of devotion for myself and I want it for you too. Number seven on the outreach fear slayers list is authority. Authority. 
When Jesus gave us our commission at the end of his time here on earth, he made it quite clear that we operate under the authority of one whose authority is above all. This is what Jesus said at the beginning of that commission in Matthew 28, 18. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Do you know what that means? It means we don't have to ask anyone's permission to do what he told us to do. This society and its laws do not have the final say in what we're allowed to share with others. This society, not even Satan himself, can take away our authority to share the good news. Because we do what we do under Christ's authority and his alone. Jesus is the one we answer to, and so do those to whom we're speaking. Just follow Peter and John and Paul through the New Testament and watch how many times they defy earthly authority. They knew they didn't answer to anyone but Christ. Neither do we. And that ought to give us courage. The next fear slayer has to do with our identity. Fear slayer number six is our spirit. Our spirit. This is very straightforward. We are not cowards. We are not cowards. How do I know that? Because this is what the word tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Folks, fear is a contradiction to our identity. We are being deceived into believing that we are timid, and that goes directly against what we're told right here in God's word. God has placed in us a spirit of power. Now, what it doesn't say is that we were given a mind of power, it doesn't say that we were given powerful emotions. It doesn't say that our will is powerful. This is not a flesh issue. So we have to go deeper into our spirits and find the power that we've been given by God. Ask God to help you operate from your spirit, from that place of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what Paul was getting at when he wrote to Timothy. He told Timothy not to be ashamed. The spirit that he had received was a spirit of power. That was his foundation. The number five fear slayer is a little unusual and not contradictory to the one we just talked about. The number five outreach fear slayer is humility. Humility. There's an understanding that we need to have in order to overcome much of our fear. It's an understanding that when we share the good news, we are not the good news. This is not about whether or not we are accepted or rejected, whether or not we are persecuted or ridiculed or whatever. We're to preach Jesus Christ, not us, not even Christianity. Paul made this very clear in his teaching for the church. 2 Corinthians 4 or 5 says this. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. In the previous letter, 1 Corinthians, he addressed the fact that the church was divided over following Paul or Apollo or Cephas, but it was all about following Christ, and he made that clear. We're just the messenger, and that ought to relieve some of our fear. Fear slayer number four is love. Love. 1 John 4.18 reminds us that there is no fear in love, that perfect love drives out fear. So we have to ask ourselves about the depth of our love for our friends and our neighbors. Do we love them so much 
that fear of sharing the good, good news with them is not an obstacle. We need to see God for that love that he has for them. That kind of love will slay the fear that we have of introducing them to Jesus. The number three slayer of fear is heaven. Heaven. Can I remind you of one of my favorite Bible stories? It's the story of Stephen. It's a sad story, but it's a very motivating story for me. Stephen had the courage to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the Jews shortly following Christ's death and resurrection and return to heaven. The Jews did not receive this news well. They were furious with Stephen, and Stephen had many reasons to be afraid. But while the Jews yelled and got furious and expressed that, Stephen looked to heaven. And what he saw there was enough to slay his fear. Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. They dragged Stephen out of the city and they began to stone him. In the midst of it all, Stephen asked God for their forgiveness because his eyes were fixed on heaven. And then he died. That's where our courage should come from, from the reality that we have an eternal home in heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of our Father. What happens to us here is nothing compared to the glorious prize that awaits us in heaven. The number two outreach fear slayer is this. It's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Are you aware of just how powerful it is? Do you believe in the power of the gospel? Do you really understand that the gospel itself, the message of salvation through Jesus, is powerful enough to change lives and rescue the dying? I want to share this little story with you. It's about a composer named Gavin Bryars. Uh, back in the early 90s, Gavin Bryars was doing some work for a, the soundtrack of a movie. He's done all kinds of composition. He's done operas, orchestral pieces, uh, a lot of uh, movie soundtracks, a whole bunch of original work. He's a brilliant composer. So back in the early 90s, he was doing a soundtrack for a movie, and he was on the set, which was on a city street, as they were filming the street, and Gavin recorded the noise of the street in order to use it as a backdrop for the score that he was going to create. So he took the recording back to his studio and uh, put it into his system, and he played the noises of the street and was listening to them, and he heard faintly the voice of some man, some person singing this simple song over and over again. It was just repetitive, just very brief, and he just kept cycling through it. And, and it was a crazy guy. It was this old crazy guy standing on the corner singing. So Gavin isolated the voice, and he, he brought it to the forefront, and he listened to this, and, and it just really struck him. And then he left his office for a few minutes, went out and, and did something else. He came back, and he walked into his office, and he had an office just off of the common area where his staff was. And he had a large staff, and and. This staff was usually very energetic and lively. There was all kinds of stuff going on. But this time he comes back to the office and his staff, they're all sitting at their desks. Most of them are in tears, just weeping at their desks. And he was stunned by it and, and he looked around and, and just observed and then he realized he had left the recording in his office on. And that sound was playing out into the bigger office. 
I want to play for you what they heard. Go ahead and play this sound by Jeff. Blood never fell with me. Yes, never fell with me. Yes, Jesus' blood never fell with me. Yes, this one thing I know, for He loved me so. Jesus' blood. Never fell with me, yet. Never fell with me, yet. Jesus' blood never fell with me, yet. This one thing I know, for he loved me so. Jesus' blood never fell with me. Yet, never fell over me. Yet, Jesus' blood never fell over me. Yet, this one thing I know, for He loved me so. So simple. Jesus' blood never failed me yet. This one thing I know, that He loves me so. And it altered the lives of that staff forever. The simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does it have power? Yeah, it has power. And we have to let it speak for itself. It's not about the power of the church. It's not about the power of persuasion. It's about the power of the gospel to change lives, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that power ought to drive our fear far, far away. The number one outreach fear slayer on our list today is the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left this earth, he promised the arrival of one who would bring power to the witness of his disciples. This is what he said in Acts 1.8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that same Holy Spirit gave the disciples all they needed to boldly share the good news with the world around them. They performed miracles, they healed the sick, they cast out demons, they led countless numbers of lost souls back to their great shepherd and not once did they lack the power to carry out their mission. The Spirit of Christ went with them wherever they went and their lives were lived according to God's plan. Powerful, courageous, surrendered lives. Their power was not their own. Their words were not their own. Their wisdom was not their own. Their plans were not their own. They lived by the power of God's Holy Spirit and that power dwells in us today. It's yours and it's mine and it's the reason why we don't have to be afraid to be what Christ has called us to be, the light of the world. Brothers and sisters, take courage. We have found the source of our power. We have found what God has provided us with to slay the fear that deceives us. Praise God that he has given us all that we need to let our light shine before men. 
hide the good news under a bushel? No way. We're going to let it shine. Much more to come in the next few weeks. I'm going to have the worship team come forward now and close us with a song. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that this morning for every single one of us that our eyes would be open to see this fear for what it is, that it's a deception, that it's a lie, that it goes directly against who we are, who you have created us to be, that we who were created in your image, who have the power of your Holy Spirit dwelling in us, have nothing to fear. God, grow in us a love for our friends and neighbors and family, our co-workers, fellow students, that is your love so that we can love by your love, that we can live by the power of your spirit, that we can share your good news. Help us to see that our role in this is very intentional but very minor. We are your messengers. And it is your gospel, it is your truth that people will accept or reject. God, we lift up this community to you. There are so many here who so desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, you've given it to us. We're asking for the courage to share it with those around us. God, today, right now, replace our fear with courage. Let us be what you have called us to be, the light of the world, unashamed to share with power the good news that has saved us. Thank you for that salvation. Let us be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.